Tvameva mata ca pita tvameva, Tvameva bandhu ca sakha tvameva, Tvameva vidyadravinam tvameva, Tvameva sarvam mamadeva deva. God is in all. God is your mother, your father, your friend, your beloved, your riches, your wisdom, everything. Keep that thought in mind, that nothing that you have can be yours. It isn't yours. This whole universe was created by him. There is no other reality. And this reality that seems so real, it's all a dream. You know, when you, when you go to sleep at night, and you dream something, it seems so real. And when you wake up, you think, where am I? It's another world. But yet, while you were living it, it seemed very real. And if you hit your head in a dream, as my guru used to say, your dream head will hurt. You have some ability to edit this life, just as you have some ability to edit your dreams. I remember one time I was dreaming, and a person came in, and the dream proceeded for a while. I decided, no. The dream would be better without him. So I went back to where I'd started when he came into the room and went on with the dream without him. And I was satisfied. So I thought, oh, this is a good, a good show. I guess this was just a samskar of an, a playwright because I used to want to be a playwright. But the thing is that it's all still a dream. It's not real. That one reality is just always yours. You know, how old are you really? 15, 50? 60, 75, you're none of those things. You're eternal. And you were just as much you a billion years ago as you are right now. And what seems so long and so tiring this lifetime, dragging through all the things you go and you think, how long must I go on? You're going to go on whether you like it or not forever. There's no end to it. Because you are as eternal as God. You are a part of him. There's no getting away from it. Let me read you a fascinating little story from Conversations with Yogananda. He said to us one time, I used to laugh a lot when I was a boy because of my inner joy in God. That's sort of the exact opposite of what I was saying. That some people think, oh, how long, Lord, how long? Have joy. It'll be yours forever, and all the ups and downs, they'll just, they don't, they'll pass away. Live in that joy. That's the joy that he always showed. And as a boy, he had it too. The saints I met, most of whom were outwardly grave, welcomed my laughter as coming from God. Bhadori Mahashai, the levitating saint, as I've described him in my autobiography of a yogi, enjoyed my laughter for the same reason. It upset a few of his disciples, however, to see me laugh in the presence of their ever-serious master. One time he said to me, I understand and appreciate why you like to laugh, but as it disturbs some of these here, do you think perhaps you could be more serious for their sake? I understand what you mean, I replied, but can they not see it springs from the joy I feel in God and in your company? He relented. All right. Laugh if you feel to. I will try to explain to them that it is from God. Well, mind you, 
finding God is by no means a funeral. So many people on the spiritual path have these long faces, and they think that because they're supposed to be doing something serious, that therefore they shouldn't be joyful. Actually, it's the most joyful thing of all. And I think that was one of the things I loved about my guru. He was so completely, innocently joyful all the time. That didn't mean he couldn't be stern. That didn't mean he couldn't scold us. That didn't mean he couldn't show the face of anger. But he never had that anger. Always inside, if I would try to feel his vibrations, I would feel that there was this joy. Sort of as if my consciousness was expanding with a sense of freedom and joy. I've told you before this one story. It's, it's a delightful one. He went into a hotel once, and he was dressed in his orange robe. And a man came up to him who was drunk. Well, how this man understood this, but sometimes, as they say in vino veritas, in wine there is sometimes truthfulness or truth. And so anyway, this man hugged my guru and said, Hello there, Jesus Christ. He recognized that he was a great master. He didn't know what it meant or anything, but he felt something there. And my guru said, he saw that the man was drunk, and uh, he thought, well, he could see that he was a good man, so he thought, let me give him a little touch of the divine joy, which he's been trying to get in a delusive way through alcohol. So he just touched him with his, this, uh, not with his hand, with his consciousness. The man reared back. He says, hey, well, what are you drinking? And uh, my master said, well, it has a lot of kick in it. And he left the man sober and thinking. But the thing is that this divine joy, if you have a chance to mix with the saints, don't think you've got to be grave. You'll see that in their eyes there's the innocent sweetness of laughter. The secret of laughter is what we're going to be singing later on. The secret of laughter is the secret of your own being. And if you can have that, you'll find that somehow everything seems to work for the best. Yes, you'll have to go through tests. Don't take them that seriously. Learn to laugh even at the great hardships that life throws at you, and suddenly you'll discover that they aren't hardships at all. I know that I, I was uh, in the hospital some ten years ago, nine and a half years ago. They did open-heart surgery. They changed the heart valve. Well, this is a fairly major surgery. It's not like taking a splinter out of your finger. And uh, the doctor came to me a couple of days later. He said, how are you? How are you? I said, oh, I'm great. He said, oh, come on now. You've got to be in a lot of pain. I said, oh, yeah, I have a little pain, but I feel so much freer because my heart's working better than it ever has. So why think about the negative side when there's the positive one? You see, everything can be turned in a positive way. Sometimes I have seen that people have done their best to give me a hard time. I felt happy inside because I thought, well, this is, this is me paying off my karma and also learning how to be even-minded and cheerful under all circumstances. You can learn no matter what the circumstance. You can learn no matter how people treat you. Don't get upset if, they are, uh, if they're thinking that you're a, uh, they're scolding you and accusing you of this and accusing you of that. Be satisfied in your conscience. If they're right, thank them. Try to change. If they're wrong, then why get excited? 
Aren't most people wrong most of the time? So be free in your own self, and you will find that you, you really can be joyful at all times. I've seen this in working with, with people, and you know, somehow people will always, they, they like joy, and so they recognize it. I'll never forget going to a concert in Paris, in France, and it was my birthday, and so I wanted to celebrate, and this concert, it seemed like a very nice concert to go to. But when I got to the door, it was in a church. When I got to the door, they were closing the door. There were about 50 people outside. They were saying, I'm sorry, there's no more room. And so I said, oh, but it's my birthday. And I said it with great joy, not with complaint or anything like that. And he said, oh, then happy birthday, come inside. But you see... He shared my joy, because I felt joy too. And the music was so wonderful. It was full of joy. And it was such a lovely experience for me. I was on the subway, the metro, as they call it, later. And this woman came up to me, an old woman. And she said, do you remember me? I said, well, honestly, I have to say I don't. She said, but I was in the audience. Well, there were 700 people in that audience. I had been sitting up behind the altar because there was no more room in the audience so she could see me facing. But uh, somehow she had felt my joy, and that to her made her feel as if I was an old friend. And she sat down and she talked to me about troubles she was having with her daughter and confidential things that people don't usually share with strangers. But you know, when you have that joy, you don't have strangers. Everybody becomes your friend. So my guru in his laughter, it wasn't the ordinary laughter of a, a hail fellow and well met kind of thing, but that thing that bubbled up inside because he was so full of the joy of God. This is something that people felt, and I have to say I felt it even when he wasn't laughing, because he by no means laughed all the time. In fact, he could be very, very serious. Yet there was always a joy in his presence. That's what you want to look for. Don't look for, I know, um, oh, I can't remember the name of the Frenchman who wrote this. It slips my mind. But he said when, you, uh, when, you when you're on the religious path and you're seeking God and living a prayerful life, then all of life becomes a very solemn sort of marching toward perfection. I thought, what a drag. My guru used to say that the finding God isn't the funeral of anything but sorrow. It's the funeral of all sorrows. Don't approach him with that thought. Never think that God doesn't love you because you've made mistakes. Never think that he's angry with you because you've made uh, big mistakes sometimes. Know that he's your friend. He's on your side. Just like this little girl in school, 11 years old. She was very nervous. She was supposed to perform something in front of the parents and student body. And she was shaking all over. And then somebody stood up in the audience. She said, Amy, don't be afraid. We're all your friends. So she was able to sing then. But the thing is that God is your friend. And you will be amazed at how much people can be your friends, too, if you're first their friend. Mostly you find that people are afraid because they think that they don't like you. I know in New York, that's a very hard city, really. You do find a few friendly people, but mostly there isn't that. I never 
will forget an experience that I had where um, somebody had asked me, my hostess has asked me to sing some songs that I had written. She was having a party, and they were going to have a sort of a buffet outdoor dinner afterwards. So I sang this song, and everybody sort of looking at the scar, stars and the s trees and the ground. And I thought, well, gosh, I don't want to offend them if they don't like these songs. So I sang a couple more or one more, I forget which, just so as not to displease my hostess. But then I said, well, let's go eat. And they all stampeded like cattle to the trough to uh, have their dinner. But th that's okay. I can understand people not liking my songs. I can't really understand it, but... Uh, you know what I mean? Everybody has his own taste. Here's what amazed me. The next day, I was in the same car. I was being driven somewhere by the main person in that group. You know, every group usually seems to have some person who seems to stand out as the leader. And uh, so I said to him, just out of curiosity, how'd you like my songs? He said, oh, okay, I guess. Well, I figured, okay, that's a pretty easy answer to accept. What I couldn't understand was this. He said, in fact, I keep a cassette of them in my car and play it every day to work. In other words, he loved them. Why couldn't he say so? Those people, presumably, who are all his friends and all my friends' friends, presumably they did too. Why did they have to stare at the ground and at the trees and at the stars and not show anything? I think that because people are afraid that if they will show their heart's feelings, they're afraid they'll get stabbed. You don't see that as much in California as you do in New York, but there's a lot of that there. My dad one time wanted to go to uh, uh, some place on Long Island, and he asked the man on the train, the subway, um, whether this was the right way to, the, to go to that place. And the man said, you can read, can't you? It seems to be a matter of pride with him to insult people effectively. Well, I don't call that a way of happiness. The more you insult people, the more you're insulting yourself. The more you belittle people, the more you belittle yourself. The less joy you find in life, the less joy you find in yourself. To be innocent and sweet, and to just be everybody's friend, and not to be afraid to smile at a complete stranger for fear that he's going to answer you with a snarl, and then you'll feel badly, my feeling is always this, that if he wants to snarl, that's his problem. Why shouldn't I just, I feel happier smiling. I feel happier enjoying friendship. I feel happier being kind. If they don't want to be, then that's their problem. But I feel joyful being joyful. And I feel joyful sharing that joy. And sometimes I've found that on the streets, just looking at a complete stranger, but with a uh, joy in my heart, and therefore I smile at this stranger as if it were a friend. And many times I've seen that they can change from a very serious expression to a joyful one. Everybody wants joy. Everybody's grateful when you give it to them. As Master said, my Guru said, when you see somebody with a sour and sad expression, shoot him with a little buckshot of joy you'll find that the more you can spread joy from your heart to other people, the more you will be happy yourself, and the more you will be able to create a happy world around you. 
what a grim universe it is when people are all scowling at each other. So therefore I wrote this song. It's called The Secret of Laughter, and there's a lot of good teaching in it. I hope you enjoy it. Bye-bye. The secret of laughter lies in the laughing, not in the search for joy. It's a swallow winging on the wind, it's innocence in a boy. Singing, not in the songs unwelcome, but never crave. If you think that laughter lies in things, to things you'll be but a slave. Joy will come to anyone whose soul has learned to fly. And you'll never sing You could win the world And still be poor Win peace and live like a king Sunshine, sing when the rain falls, sing when your road seems strange. In a tempest, seize the lightning flash and ride the winds of change. Joy will come to anyone whose soul has learned to fly.